Hey, welcome to Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. In these episodes, we connect with courageous women sharing their healing journey story. Are you ready to align your thoughts with your heart? If thoughts were a person and came knocking on the door, would you let them in? When you can stop and think about Welcome what to this thinking, episode of Forgiving the Girl happen. Inside, A Matter of the Heart. This is May of 2022, and we are doing a podcast blast sharing the secret where courageous women post-abortion, miscarriage, and loss of a child are sharing their stories. And today we have a, a, a reappearing guest, Rachel. She is sharing her story. And it's amazing the thing that you learn when you start talking to people. So um, we decided to record this spontaneously. I like it. Uh, but she's going to share her story of an abortion that she had um, that she tucked away. So thank you, Rachel, so much for being here. And your willingness, your bravery to share your story, the things we never tell. I swore I would never tell. Did you did you make that com- commitment to yourself as well? Um, I'm not sure whether I consciously made a commitment to myself, but I certainly said at the time it was something I needed to just keep to myself. I mean, if I wasn't going to tell my mom, which I didn't, um, then... Yeah, you're not going to go around telling the whole world, <laughs> you know. If you can't tell your family, then you know it was. It was just I felt frowned upon because I was so young. Um, you know, I was 16, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing. I, I was 16 as well when I had two abortions, and I was petrified to tell my mom. You know, we have this Paul, like my mom and I didn't really have a good relationship either, but I still confided in her and still, you know, got her advice on things. And my whole image was she's going to kill me. (laughs) She's going to kill him and she's going to kill me. And, you know, I can't tell her I can't, I I couldn't even face her. And it happens so quickly. Um, You know, I know you're, are you in the Netherlands? I'm in the Netherlands, but I'm from the UK. Okay. So you were in the UK when this happened? So in 1985, when I first found myself pregnant, um, you know, my boyfriend at the time and I, oh no, we're going to take care of it right away. And it like happened so quickly, you know, and I think I took like two things in Valium to, before I went into procedure and I had my period like clockwork. So all I could think of the whole time was my mom knows when I have my period, she's going to see that I missed it. And she's going to wonder she never said anything. Um, you know, even afterwards, like I seemed like I just bled for six weeks, seven weeks. It was just nonstop. And she never questioned, you know, like all the pads in the garbage pail or anything like that. And I always wondered, um, we had a conversation about it in 2016. Um, and then she, you know, told me she knew, uh, she suspected, but wanted to give me my space and uh, when I broke up with the guy, he told her, and then she never told me. So I thought mm. that was interesting. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's keeping the secret. So did you end up ever sharing it with your mom? Like, who did you end up telling when you were? So you're 16 years old. You're all alone. Um, what happened after that? Well, at the time, um, the only people who knew was my boyfriend and his mother. Um, and, th- you know, I stayed at their place for the weekend um it happened on the it must have happened on a friday then and i stayed over the weekend so there was nothing abnormal for my mother you know if i was out of the house and staying not at home um and you know i, I just remember it was all it was it was as if it was just 
it was just something that needed to be done and we didn't talk about it not even not really even with my boyfriend to be fair it was one of those things let's just get it done quickly as possible you know (laughs) uh and get get back to normal get back get back to to life um you know and pretend it never happened that was how it came across to me you know the mother didn't even really I mean, she cared for me in the sense that, you know, was I comfortable and, you know, gave me something to eat and things like that whilst I was staying there. But we never spoke about it. We never actually spoke. How do you feel? I mean, Mm. it was just the feeding side of things is the bit that everybody seems to have an an issue with. Um, And um, so I just didn't speak about it either. I just kept quiet and I never told people, my friends. Um, I just basically got up and carried on with life as normal as if nothing had ever happened. Um, although, you know, I just pushed it away and locked it away and, and kind of denied it myself, I think, for a very long time that it had even happened. Uh, I remember the day. Yeah. I remember going and, and everything happened to me. And I just remember feeling that I was, that everyone was looking at me as if to say, mm, she's one of them. She's... She's a, you know, she's lost herself. She's, um, whatever bad label you wanted that people as adults would give you. That's what I felt. I felt like I could read everybody's minds and that they were all telling me something bad about me. It was never something good or to have any compassion for me. No, but it was all my made up, yeah. all my own made up story. And the lies we leave, the, the lies that we tell ourselves and actually believe, but yeah, those feelings that go unprocessed, feeling like, you know, you're no good, you're a murderer, you're this, that, those are the thoughts that I had. And it felt so ugly in the inside. And you had shared in the last podcast, post podcast, that you had felt like you were a murderer and that, um, did you mention a, 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 when you saw a baby, what was the what was the thought that came to your mind when a baby looked in your eyes? Yeah, so a very for a very long time, well, actually, up and probably until I had found I was pregnant with you know with my first child that I had, um, that if I looked at a baby or a baby was looking at me or for, you know people families families who had babies and we were in social circles, I would avoid because if I saw them, it I just felt like the baby would be looking at me and would start crying because it was like, oh, that's, I, that woman's not, or that girl is not to be trusted. She's, she's not a nice lady. Um, crazy when I think about it, if I look back on it, how I was interpreting, really, it was just a reflection of what was going on inside of myself and the story I was telling me, but the baby symbolized, you know, everything that um, I had kind of destroyed. Yeah. Oh, the, the trigger. Yeah, distance as well within myself. Yeah, yeah, the triggers are incredible, and you know, I the reading the book, the body keeps the score, and I could not remember when I had had my first abortion. I don't remember the details of my second abortion at all, but my body gets really depressed around St. Patrick's Day every year. I mean, like this past March, I was crying. I would get up from my chair and just start crying. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then I was reflecting and, you know, I did some, some cognitive breath work and I realized, oh, that's the first one. And I'd actually been cleaning out um, some boxes and came across some pictures mm-hmm. and I'm like, yep. And looked at the back of the, the dates on the back of the pictures and was like, yep, this is it. It was in March. So it's incredible how, you know, 
our body remembers and what we go through. And, you know, I, I believe the lie and, you know, I, I like to say, I told my husband, is it possible to be pro life and pro choice? Um, because I, I can't imagine if I had the same exact information I had when I was 16, I would do it again. I was told that it was a blob of tissue. It was like a tumor. There was no life. I was early enough. Um, I mean, literally I missed my period the day after I knew I'm like, there's no way. Cause I never, ever, I was like clockwork every 28 days. And so it was taken care of very quickly. And I'm connected in a few um, Facebook groups and women talk about not even being able to get an appointment. Like they know right away, but they can't get an appointment for like six weeks. And they contemplate, wait a minute, this baby's going to develop this much more. I can't wait that long. You know, it's almost like in our thought process, we think, you know, okay, so this is, at this stage, it's just tissue. At this stage, it be, starts becoming life. And yeah, we can go off on a tangent there, but I won't. But when did you um, feel in your in your being, in your heart, that you needed to process this to start grieving that loss? Or did you ever even consider it a loss? Um, at the time, um, and I still stand by it, that it was... It was the correct decision for me at that time to, to do. Um, I think what I what I was more angry about with myself was the fact that I got pregnant in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing yeah. everything right. I was taking the pill. Um, only I knew that occasionally I would miss one, you know, but it was always said it's, it's okay as long as you're taking it. Yeah. Often enough at the correct time, you should, you know, you, you should be okay. Um, and yeah, for me, that didn't happen. So I was more angry at that than actually not having the child. I think in some respect, it gave me, if I'm really truly honest, it gave me, a, 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 what's the word? Um, an out uh, a clause to get out of the fact that I needed to, to make this decision it was like yeah you know I didn't ask for this you know mm-hmm. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and it happened to me um, and I'm not ready for it um, it's not what I was choosing and right. so um, the fact that it happened it was I was angry at life I was angry at why did this happen to me why am I being put into this situation to have to make this choice at such a young age um, mm-hmm why am I going to be looked upon, frowned upon, um, given labels that I am, you know, not responsible or that I'm a, a slut or a slag or whatever people would presume. Um, that's probably where I was really more angry. Um, and I think really the grieving side of things was something that didn't really happen until a very, until really into my th- time when I got pregnant with my first with my first and then when I had my second um always around motherhood there's always been something that I carried with me feeling that I was never going to be good enough because I was going to be condemned (laughs) for what I had done in my past um and so I over over um was very over concerned that, and, and had a constant thing going on in my head about being needing to be a good parent um, and never really succeeding to my expectation. 
And that's something that only in the recent past years probably I have I have done work on. Um, so it wasn't literally it wasn't just focused on the abortion. It was a much bigger thing by then that I needed to work on. Yeah, so so many of us self-sabotage and we don't connect it with the abortion. We don't connect it with that loss. And we have so many losses in our life. And most people will say, oh, the loss is traumatic. You know, and they'll think of a death or um, an injury or something like that. But there's so many little losses that we experience that if they don't get processed, they stay in our, and they, they stay in our hearts and make us bitter. Right. So I didn't, I never connected my abortions to my dysfunctional thoughts. I'm going to call them, you know, I was very angry, disgusted all the time. And I overachieved at work and people please big time to try to, I, because I didn't want anyone to know if they knew they wouldn't like me. So I did all of these things to be a people pleaser and, you know, um, to, to serve others, hoping, you know, and just always being afraid that I was going to, God was going to strike me down. Like I was at any moment I was going to be struck by lightning or something. And then I got to, you go into that cycle and you're trying so hard to be so good that I was miserable for myself. And I started self-sabotaging. I was overeating, over drinking and overspending, literally got addicted to 0% credit cards, became a financial coach to try to figure out like, what's wrong with me and years of therapy. I never, because I chose not to share that secret and never connected the two you know, when no one ever dug deep enough. And then when I was introduced to aroma cognitive um, behavior practice, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing what you can do with your emotions and not being afraid to address them and to work through them. Because I was taught, you don't process your negative emotions. You don't want to be sad, or angry, or frustrated. You know, you want to be happy, joy. So we'll stuff those bad emotions and we'll just work on the good emotions. And that's not true. We need to experience every single emotion we have. And the more I shared my story, the more I healed. And going publicly was one of the most difficult things because, like you said, people are going to look at you like, oh, you're, you know, you're a slut, you're a murderer, you're this, you're that. And I was so afraid of what others were thinking because of that people-pleasing mode that I had conditioned myself to do. I didn't want to experience that negative stuff. But when I accepted it, I said, you know what? It was my choice. I got to choose. And if I had to go back, you know, my 16-year-old self and I had a conversation with the same exact information I had, I would do the same thing. Now, if I knew what I knew then today, I may not have done that. I, like you said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put myself in that position to be pregnant with that person at that time in my life, because I would have known there's so many other better choices than that instant, you know, satisfaction and that, that infatuation type of love that, you know, a 16 year old experiences. So when was the first time you shared your story? Probably right now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Did you did you ever tell your mom? I'm gonna say mom because you said mom, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, when you said that, I was thinking, have I told my mom? Um, or have I have I dreamt that I've told my mom? Um, you know, I can't. It's a good question, and it's 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 surprising me as I'm sitting here thinking, did, did I tell my mom, or is it just something that has just my my sister knows um so it's not that i haven't i think even my brother knows but did i ever tell my mom i must have done but you know that like i 
said in the previous podcast, um, you know, with my mum, where, where, although you know, she was a very, very good mum, very care, caring in the sense of making sure that we had a roof over our head, clothes on our back, food on our plate, <laughs> um, the emotional level I, with her, I struggled with because I'm very, I, I know now with myself that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deep emotional person, whereas my mum has more difficulty connecting to her emotions. So we, we never kind of met on that. So even if we did have a conversation, it would have been very surface level. Like, oh, whoa, why didn't you tell me? I don't know. I really, I don't want to put words in my mom's mouth that aren't yeah. true. So um, I just don't remember that, to be honest. So maybe it's something I, I could bring up and find out, mom, did I ever tell you? <laughs> and just sort of put it out there to her. But um, actually yeah. speaking publicly about it, it's not that I haven't shared it with people that I know um, from uh, from friendships and things. Um, but speaking about it publicly, no, this is the first time. Yeah. Have you told your kids? Yes, they do know. Yes. Yeah. Did you uh... just want to say something about the emotional pain, um, you know, for your audience is that it, emotional pain is real. It's as real as physical pain. And it's actually interesting that the, the brain that lights up when you've got physical pain, when your body receives pain physically, is the same part of the brain that lights up when you've got emotional pain. So, you know, your body, like you said, is, is, is receiving always and registering what is going on. Um, and with physical pain, we tend to go and do something about it. We go to a doctor or we, and we go and get seen. But with our emotional painful, you know, we've all been brought up to to not go and sort that out, not go and deal with it. It's been a kind of a, a no zone area. Um, and thankfully that I believe is starting to change. And that's certainly where my work that I like to do is to help people really get in contact with their emotions because it's so important. And then like you and I, it becomes easier to talk about things that we have experienced that have been painful, but they don't control you. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and we have a very similar niche with working with the emotions and connecting the heart to the thoughts to get the results that we want. And it is the power of thoughts, the power of words is so incredibly, I mean, shifts happen when you just stop and think about your thoughts and what your desires are. And we had talked earlier about what do you want? And then thinking about what you want and then going after it and making that in an alignment so that you're actually doing what you say you do. And when you have unprocessed feelings, emotions, it prevents you, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, that something's there, but you're not quite sure what it is because you've buried it so deep. And for so long, I know I've interviewed a lot of women who have had, um, you know, sexual trauma, they've been um, abused, um, you know, by people that, that were supposed to, they were supposed to be able to trust, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that instilled, I mean, from a very young age, um, and then that kind of define them and that you get to that, those walls just come up. And I'm getting really good at recognizing who has walls and like, oh, I know that everyone has a story to share. And when you see somebody diving in and overachieving, eventually you end up burning out, right? You end up, you know, you can only go so high before you stop and say, I'm exhausted, you know, and just taking care of yourself. What is one one advice that you would give someone um, post-abortion? One piece of advice that you that would help them heal from their choice. Oh, to definitely sit and feel 
everything that they are feeling and to not run away from it, whether it's uncomfortable or not, because it's going to be more uncomfortable further on down the line when you haven't processed it and haven't held space for it. You know, it's okay to grieve and it's okay the decision that you made um, and to be in alignment with your choice. The only way you can do that is by feeling whatever is coming up. And even if you say to yourself, this decision I made, and then after you've done it, there is some sadness, there is um, maybe a little bit of regret, whatever comes up afterwards. It's not to say that you didn't make the right choice or for yourself. It just means that there are different parts of you that are going to feel different emotions um, and just allow them all. Allow mm-hmm. them all and don't judge them. Just sit there and be compassionate with yourself is mm-hmm. probably the advice I would give. If you were sitting with a friend, how would you be with them and be with be that to yourself? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love that. So tell us a little bit about how you work with women. Do you, Who do you specifically work with and how do you help with the, I want to call it an emotional coding, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure you have a different name for it. Yeah, I mean, my work is all about nourishing an an authentic, loving relationship with oneself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's usually women and men. I have had men who've crossed my path um, who feel in some way disconnected. They feel that they've got one foot in one world and one foot in another world. They're, They're feeling they're feeling drawn to want to love themselves, but they're still stuck in their old conditioning of how they have um, been either a people pleaser, perfectionist, um, you know, um, they've got the beast in their head who, you know, that inner critic that is just, you know, it's, it won't give up. It just keeps going on and on and it just makes them feel that they're not good enough or they're not unlovable. Um, and they're just kind of frustrated with themselves. Um, those are the people that I help. It's a, it's usually, I would say, in this day and age, we call about, you know, people who are awakened. Um, it is, for me, more the people who have come to the realization that actually how they feel is important. Um, and they want to stop feeling the, um, the, the pressure of being something that mm-hmm. they know in their heart they're not. Mm-hmm. And they want yeah. to just be able to trans transform themselves and 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 bring foot both feet onto one playing field and the one that feels right for them rather than the playing field that feels right for somebody else like parent society or whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. it's following their heart. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate you coming here and sharing with our audience your own personal experience. And for those of you listening, if you'd like to connect with Rachel, check the description for links to um, get in touch with her. And if you'd like to know um, more about aroma cognitive behavior, send me a direct message. Be sure to rate and like the show and give me a review the show. I should say, and and if you know anyone, I hope that this episode really be blessed by this interview. Please share shifts that happen. Want to create abundance? Let's connect your heart-centered desires to create limitless abundance. In a 20-minute solution call, I help courageous women post-abortion, miscarriage, or loss of a child foster a heart of gratitude without journaling using the power of breath and thoughts receive the possible book your call today link is in the description 
wealth is all around you.